Good evening, everyone. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Happy New Year, if I haven't said that to you, and and all that jazz. Uh, But how about I pray, and then uh, we'll get stuck into this great passage of great comfort, but also uh, there is a great challenge as well. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks, and we pray this evening as we hear you speak to us, as we've just heard you speak to us from your word, that you help us not only to hear, but that by your spirit you help us to live and to heed and to change in light of what you say to your glory. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, it can be a pretty easy thing to say to someone, uh, do not worry. Uh, that's uh, easy. They're easy words to say uh, to, to somebody. They, they, they tell you what's on their minds and uh, they, they tell you of their anxieties. And then as you hear from them, you, you put on your best smile and you, you kind of you know, put on a big grin and you put your hand around their shoulder and you say to them, do not worry, everything will be okay. And, and if you've ever been on the receiving end of those words, particularly when you're down, particularly when you are anxious and you're worried, uh, in that moment, you, you actually just feel like smacking that person in their very smiley face. Uh, you know, what do you mean, don't worry? I, I just told you I am worried. Can, can you fix it? No. So why do you tell me not to worry? And now I'm even more worried because I'm sinning in my mind because I want to smack you in your smiley face. And I'm being a bit silly, but those, those simple words, those, those often well-meaning words, yet completely deluded words of comfort, of do not worry, can be so unhelpful. But that's what Jesus says over and over again in this passage. Just have a look at verse 22. Have a look at verse 22. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Then verse 26, Jesus says, why worry? And verse 29, Jesus again, he says, do not be anxious. And again, that's easier said than done. You know, it's easy to say, but, but I've just lost my job. It's easy to say, but, but I'm in huge debt and I can't see any way out. You know, that's easy to say, but I'm about to lose that person close to me. My, my parents are unwell. My child is unwell. My sister is unwell. And sure, you know, go ahead and sing Hakuna Matata if you're a cartoon meerkat that eats bugs all, days, uh, all day, but, but this is the real world. In the real world, that the problem-free philosophy of, of Disney has lots of problems because the world has lots of problems. And so how can Jesus say, do not worry? You see, these words of Jesus, they can be hugely frustrating. But that's why we need to be very careful to understand what Jesus is and isn't saying in this passage. This is so important. You see, if you leave here today thinking, well, what I need to do is I need to go home and I need to work really hard on worrying less, that that actually this is a challenge passage. This is the challenge from Jesus that says, I must not worry. If you go home thinking that, well, then you've missed the point of this passage. Because this isn't a passage primarily about worrying less. It's a passage primarily about comfort. You see, it's a passage that says, God, the creator of all things, is your father. And this this creator who is your father, he cares for you. And he provides for you. And he's pleased to give you the kingdom. Nothing short of the kingdom is what the father, who is the creator, is pleased to give you. So do not worry then. That's the key. And as we'll see, there are some challenges in what Jesus says here, but those challenges, they all flow out of the comfort of having God as Father. Uh, So let's understand these words of Jesus. Make sure you've got your Bible in front of you. 
Uh, you're flying blind uh, if you don't. And even before we read our passage, we need to notice therefore. Just look at verse 22. We need to notice the therefore in the Bible. Therefore is really important when you're reading at home, when you're reading in gospel teams. Take note of the therefore because it's there for a reason. Because what Jesus says here flows on from what he's already said in the parable of the rich fool. This is the key. If we want to get this right, you've got to remember the parable Jesus has just said. And in a nutshell, what what, uh, Jesus is doing in this section of Luke's gospel is Jesus is teaching on what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and to live for God and to live for His kingdom rather than living for yourself. And as Jesus is teaching about hypocrisy and he's, he's challenging the crowds that have come to him uh, to live for God, this, this man kind of sticks up his hand from the crowd and he calls out to Jesus and he pipes up and he says, chapter 12, verse 13, just look down at verse 13. This man says, he says to Jesus, he asks him to be a judge between him and his brother over an inheritance dispute, over money, over possessions, over things. And basically, Jesus very quickly warns this man about greed and about possessions. And then he tells the parable of the rich fool to make the point that we must all be very careful. We must watch out and be on guard, Jesus says, about building up earthly treasures for ourselves. Why? Well, for one, God could demand our lives from us at any moment. You see, what will come of, your, of all your possessions if suddenly you die? And that you guys are all relatively young. Most of you here are, are younger than I am. But if you ever meet a young person, a relatively young person, think someone 40 or under, and if they're facing death, suddenly all the possessions mean nothing. It's just irrelevant compared to facing death. It doesn't mean anything anymore. So that's one. But two, the parable is important, and the point that Jesus is making is important Because when God demands our lives of us, we will be held to account. And if we've spent our whole lives living for self and being rich towards ourselves rather than towards God, well, our earthly possessions will mean nothing before God on that judgment day. You see, the philosophy of our world is he with the most toys wins. But as far as God is concerned, he's not concerned with who's got the most toys at the end. See, he with the most toys at the end the Bible says, is a fool. They're an idiot. They're stupid. They've invested all their time and energy in what fails to last. You see, it's gone at death. And really, what the rich fool does in the parable is so natural to us, which is why we really need to hear Jesus' words here, particularly for you guys who are younger in life, you haven't started to, uh, to, to, to work and to build up wealth and those kinds of things. Because what happened with the rich uh, fool in the parable is he had a very productive year. He had a great year with lots of excess and lots of abundance. And so he thought, great, now I don't have to worry about the future. Now I don't have to worry about providing for myself. Look at all I have. I've got plenty stored up. And wouldn't that be nice? Not having to worry about our future. Not having to, to worry and be anxious about the necessities of life. Well, look at what Jesus says to his disciples in our passage. Because to his disciples that didn't have storehouses and they didn't have big barns and they didn't have an abundance of possessions like the rich fool, uh, the, the disciples, they were at this point rich towards God, not rich towards themselves. 
Look at what Jesus says to them from verse 22. Have a look, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, in light of the parable of the rich fool, remember that's the context, it's key. Therefore, in light of that parable, I tell you, don't worry about your life and what you will eat, or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. And uh, to show that what Jesus says here isn't simply uh, kind of well-meaning yet deluded advice of do not worry, Jesus gives two lessons. He gives two lessons from the creation to help us see that no, we don't need to worry. And the first lesson is there in verse 24. So have a look, verse 24, lesson number one. Verse 24, Jesus says, consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn like the rich fool building bigger and bigger barns, yet God feeds them. And here's the point, and aren't you worth much more than the birds? And do you know uh, that person who uh, is often uh, daydreaming and they're staring out the window and they're just kind of watching the creation go by? Well, perhaps in our very busy modern world, we need to be a little bit more like that person. We need to stare out the window and watch how God is at work in His creation. We need to take time to see how God is in control of all things and, and provides for all things as the Creator. And if God provides for the birds and, and for the animals, well, how much more us? You see, how much more the people He has made? See, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. We are made in the image of God. How much more us? And you see, uh, we, we are far more valuable than the animals. I know at the moment there's, there's all sorts of talk about wildlife and animals because of the drought and because of the fires. Uh, and I know the, the modern animal welfare groups will have us believe that we're equal to the animals and, and people are equal with all living things, but that's not biblical. Uh, yes, we're, we're to care for the creation, including the animals, but God is, is very clear. We people are far more valuable than the animals, far more valuable than the birds, And so the logic here, it's very clear. If God provides for them, for the birds that that are not made in the image of God, well, how much more for us? Therefore, do not worry about what you will eat. And this is is not a call to be lazy. Uh, This is not a call to just kind of put your feet up and let go and let God, as some unhelpfully say. Uh, I can't say I'm I'm a bird washer by any means. That's not my thing. Uh, But if you take time to watch the birds, they're busy. They're they're busy. Uh, My office at home is at the back of my house. And uh, at the back of my house, I've kind of got a window uh, in the the, the room I use as my office. And in the backyard, we've got two big trees. Uh, We've got these two trees. And uh, don't ask me what kind of trees they are. I'm ignorant of such things. They've got leaves on them, I can tell you that much. Uh, but But as I sit in my office, I can hear the birds. In those trees, they're always... I can hear birds right out here right now. I don't know if you can hear them. They're always busy. They're building nests. They're gathering food. They're feeding their young. This, this is not a call to be lazy, but it's a call not to worry knowing that God provides. And not only should we not worry, but to worry is actually a pointless exercise. See, look at what Jesus says in verse 25. He says, verse 25... Can any of you add a cubit, and a, and a cubit is just, it's a length, so it's a length management uh, measurement. So, so can any of you add a length to his height by worrying? Verse 26, if then you're not able to do even this little thing, like making yourself taller, then why worry about the rest? 
In verse 25 there, it's a little bit tricky. Uh, depending on what translation you have in front of you, it can be translated as, can any of you add a single hour to his lifespan by worrying? Uh, the, the literal translation is, can you add a length uh, by worrying? So it can be a length to your height or a length uh, to the lifespan, to your lifespan. Uh, either translation is fine. Uh, however, this, this might surprise you, but, but I've never worried about adding a length to my height. Uh, that might be a surprise to you. So actually, I prefer the other translation, the one that says adding to your lifespan, but I'm biased. Maybe if you're short, you think otherwise. I'll leave that with you. Uh, but, but either way, the, the point is really clear. When you lie in your bed tonight, just try and worry and concentrate really, really, really hard on making yourself taller. It's a waste of time. Or, or just try and, and worry and concentrate really, really hard on making your life longer. You can't. See, the rich fool, his life was demanded of him that night, so why worry? It's, it's pointless. It's a pointless exercise to worry about such things. Worrying, it doesn't change anything. And again, th- these words of Jesus, they can sound cheap. And they can sound easy. You know, just these easy words to say, do not worry. But look now at the second lesson from the creation. Verse 27, the second lesson. Verse 27, Jesus says, Consider how the wildflowers grow. See, they don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. Verse 28, if that's how God clothes the grass which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, well, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? And again, the logic, it's very simple and it's, it's very clear. Consider the creation. Consider the wildflowers. See, here's a photo for you up on the screen. See, if God can clothe the grass of the fields in this way, with such pretty colors, with such splendor and and vibrance, you see, far greater than, than the greatest of kings can clothe themselves, then how much more you? You see, that photo is what God does for the flowers that come and go, that in the Middle Eastern sun, where Jesus was talking, would be scorched and just die and, and just be good for the rubbish heap the next day. See, if God does that, well, won't he clothe you, Jesus says, you of little faith. Or to use another example, there's a, a picture of a, uh, of a snowflake. And each snowflake is, is individually made by God. There are billions of them. They come and they come and they come. Each of them are individually made by God. Each so intricately designed and almost invisible to the naked eye. And if God the Creator can do, can do that so wonderfully, so providentially, well, how much more will He care for you? Will He clothe you? So trust Him. That's the point. Trust Him. Learn these two simple lessons from the creation. The Creator provides for His creation. And just in case we weren't convinced yet, uh, the, the, the key really comes in verse 29 and 30. So have a look. And the logic, just to help you uh, see the flow, basically Jesus is saying, if God provides for even the birds and, he, and if He clothes even the wildflowers of the field, well then verse 29, verse 29, don't keep striving or don't keep seeking for what you should eat and what you should drink and don't be anxious. Verse 30, for the Gentile world, the nations of the world, they eagerly seek all these things and your Father knows that you need them. And uh, the end of verse 30 there is, is the key. End of verse 30, that's what we need to remember. Because do you see who the Creator is? See, who is the Creator? 
He is your Father. And He knows what you need. And we, we just forget that sometimes, right? You know, oh God, yeah, He's great. He's big. We come to church. We hear Him speak. Yep, that's great. We, we praise Him in song and praise Him in our... Yep, that's great. But the Creator of all things... The, the, the one who is all-powerful over all things, who is in control of all things, who knows all things. He's our Father. That's incredible. So why would we worry? Why, why would we not have that comfort of, of knowing that ultimately He will provide for us? You see, the nations around us, those who don't know Jesus as Lord, those who, who don't know God as Father, the Creator as Father, that, they do worry about these things. They are like the rich fool. The rich fool was, was worried about earthly security. The rich fool was worried about maximizing life in the now. And just, just have a look back at verse 19 of chapter 12. So go back to the parable of the rich fool. Uh, and have a look again at what the rich fool says to himself. So at this point, he's built up his wealth. He's built the, built the bigger barns. He has all his things. Verse 19, Then I'll say to myself, I, the rich fool, you have many goods stored up for many years, so take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Which, if God is not your Father, if Jesus is not your Lord, if there is no life after this life, well, that's actually very wise advice. Uh, verse 19 there, it's quoting from the book of, of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. And basically, the book of Ecclesiastes says, if there's no life after death, if, if there's no eternal life, if, if what you see is all there is and all that you can experience, then maximize life. Maximize this life. If this is all there is, then do your, do your best to enjoy this life as much as you can because this is it. That's it. And sadly, that is how most of the world around us live. And if you stop and observe the people around you, if you take a lesson from the creation, from the non-believer... Well, you'll see what they live like. That they live as if there is no life past this life. And this is all there is. And it becomes very obvious that they are doing the, their best to maximize this life. And, and I can think of many people uh, that I know who are like this. And they buy thing after thing, uh, thinking it will make them happy, but it doesn't. And even though that doesn't satisfy, what do they do? They go back to the shops and they buy more things or they go and experience more things trying to be satisfied, even though they know it won't satisfy them. But why do they do it? Because there's nothing else. Maximize this life. Or I can think of those who are always seeking for financial security. And I think this is part of the key of this passage. To people who are always striving for that financial position, which will allow them not to worry about life, what you might eat, and their body, what they might wear. Uh, if only they can reach that comfort level. Not, not great riches, they don't want to be filthy rich, but they want to be comfortable in life. Just, just being able not to worry about the, 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 such things in life, so they can just enjoy this life. And it's really important that these people get there. And again, this is a great warning for, for those of you who are younger, who, who are basically starting uh, in life and starting to work and things like that. Because most of these people, they, 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 they want to find financial security. And for them, it's really important that they get there because this life is all there is. And they're not getting any younger. And they, and they want to enjoy life while they still can. Which is why if ever you see a, a nice Porsche drive by and you try to see who's in the driver's seat, it's usually a 50 or a 60 or a 70-year-old man with a toupee. 
uh, because he's finally got to the point in life where he can uh, buy the Porsche and enjoy his life. And the problem is, at that age, you can't necessarily see all that well, so you've got to watch out for them. But more seriously, it's why you see so many retirees going on holiday after holiday. And holidays are good. Uh, as Christians, I think it's wise for us to save, to, to go on holidays and to have time off and to rest and to enjoy the creation God's given us. But you watch retirees go on holiday after holiday because they've spent their whole life worrying about financial security and now they have it in their old age, but now they're running out of time. And this life is all there is, and so they've got to get out there. They've got to see what they can see. They need to do as much as they can do before they die. But not the Christian. Not for the believer. You see, we do not seek after such things. For one, we know that the Creator is our Father and He will provide for us. But two, life is far more than food and, and drink and what we'll wear and financial security. No, life is about the kingdom of God. Life is about living for the kingdom that is eternal, not living for this life that is temporal. Please be warned, this life is beautiful and there are so many good things and we can be scared to miss out on those good things. But just realize the splendor of the new creation is far, far, far more glorious than this life. You won't miss out if you trust Jesus. And so what does the believer do? We'll look at verse 31. Verse 31, we seek his kingdom. We live for the kingdom. And look at the promise that follows in verse 31. Seek his kingdom, and these things, food and drink and clothing, will be provided for you. And so I, I hope you can see how this is a passage of comfort. This is, this is the promise that Jesus makes to us. You see, you worry about living for the kingdom. You worry uh, about living for Jesus and being a disciple of mine. And you let me worry about the rest, Jesus says. I'll provide for you. That is the promise. And we know this, don't we? When we seek his kingdom above all else, it is good. Uh, when we live for Jesus instead of living for self, we worry less. And it's kind of uh, paradoxical because, you know, you would think uh, uh, thinking of yourself less would make you less content. But I found the opposite to be true over and over again. The more I seek his kingdom, the more content I am the less worry there is in my life. And we get surprised by that when we live for Jesus and we worry less. But Jesus says, seek my kingdom and I will provide the rest. I was uh, speaking with a, a peer of mine during the week, uh, a single woman who went through uh, Bible college with me. And uh, she's been thinking about the future lately, uh, whether or not she should buy a unit for herself uh, so that she has somewhere to live when she retires. Because she's She's like me, she's in church ministry, and when uh, you, you serve a church, the church uh, generally supplies housing for you to live in near the church, so you can serve the church. Uh, but the problem is, what happens when you retire? You see, what happens when she retires? She, she won't have an allowance from the church anymore, and she won't be able to have housing from the church anymore, and she won't have uh, her own place to live in. So she's a little bit worried about the future. You know, should I buy a unit? Should I, should I invest in that so I've got somewhere to live? And it just happens that I was, you know, preparing to preach on this passage. So I read this uh, passage to her and I said, now, this is the great promise we have. Jesus says, seek his kingdom and, and these things will be provided for you. You, you don't have to worry about the future. You, you don't have to put yourself under financial stress worrying about the future. No, God will provide. 
And in practice, that, that happens as the people of God look after the people of God because God gives us each other. So you guys, again, are relatively young, so you probably don't have a lot of wealth at this stage. But as our, over our church as a whole, there are some people who have wealth. There are some people in our church who have great wealth. There are, there are others who have not very much at all. But God gives us each other so that we provide for one another. And so I'm not worried at all about this sister uh, 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 in Christ of mine. When she retires in three decades' time, God will provide. And if she can't uh, afford her own house or she doesn't have enough rent to, to rent her own place, well, the family of God will provide. They'll take her in. And the Christian family, you see, our family here at Night Church, it should never have anyone in it who is in need of the basic necessities of life, food, clothing, shelter. If ever there's someone in our church who, who doesn't have those necessities and we don't care for them, well, we've failed as the people of God. Uh, we're worse than the unbelievers. We, we, we provide for one another. God gives us each other. But if that promise wasn't uh, great enough already, look at what Jesus says in verse 32. Verse 32, Jesus says, Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. And the kingdom in this passage, it brings with it great perspective. You see, in lots of ways, there is much that we can be worried and anxious about. Our health, our money, our, our kids, if you've got kids, uh, aging parents, lack of possessions, maybe too many possessions. Some people have houses that are so big that it stresses them out about how many hours it'll take to clean it. Some people have houses so small that they don't know what to do with their growing family and they're worried. There's the fires to worry about, the drought, the, the climate. There is much we might fear, our mortality, death at the end, death far too soon. But Jesus can say, of all those things, do not be afraid, little flock. Do not fear, my people. Why? Because the Creator is your Father. And He's the kind of Father who delights. And just look at that word there again in verse 32. See, He's the kind of Father who delights to give you the kingdom. Uh, and this morning, uh, after 9 a.m. church, the first time I preached this sermon, a couple of people came up to me and said, well, what about those uh, Christians in a developing uh, world, uh, a developing part of the world, uh, where actually they're starving? They're Christians, they love Jesus, and some of them die of starvation. Or to, to pick up Jesus' uh, analogy from the beginning about the bird, what about the birds that, that die? Uh, at the moment, we've got three or four little birds uh, that had died in our backyard. They might have been in a nest and uh, they've been eaten by something. God didn't provide for them. What about them? Does Jesus say, do not worry? How does that work? But the thing we must remember in this passage is that Jesus isn't answering that question primarily. He's talking about seeking the things of this world, seeking financial security, seeking after, uh, after comforts and, and not trusting in Jesus. He's not talking about the person who might die young. He's not talking about the person who's a Christian, who starves, and actually God, for whatever reason, didn't provide them with food. That's not what Jesus is addressing here. But even in that circumstance, Jesus says that the Father delights to give you the kingdom. See, that, that's our promise, come what may. That is the kind of Father He is. He delights to give us the kingdom no matter what. Uh, I was a little bit mean uh, to Sebastian, my son, this Christmas. Uh, when he got up on Christmas morning and all the presents were there under the tree, uh, his uh, big present from mum and dad was actually the smallest present. 
And uh, we, we made him wait to open it as well. He's the eldest, so he had to wait for the other three to open their presents first. And when he got to his present and started to open it, he was all excited. And uh, as he opened it, he, he wasn't quite sure what it was. And, and you could tell he was trying to be excited, but he was looking a little bit disappointed. Uh, and what it was, was a new leg rope for a surfboard, you know, 10 bucks or something like that. Uh, we, we'd bought this secondhand surfboard last summer for him to try it out, and the surfboard's rubbish, it's falling apart, it's junk. And I said to Sebastian, after he you know, pulled out his brand new leg rope, I said, uh, you know the leg rope on, on your surfboard that keeps playing up? Well, now you've got a new one. And uh, poor kid, he, he was trying to look thankful, uh, but he was on the verge of expressing, uh, expressing his disappointment with tears. And, uh, and then I walked around the corner with a brand new surfboard for his Christmas present. And, uh, and his face just lit up, and, uh, and he was stoked to use the appropriate surfing term. Uh, and, and as a father, uh, as parents, any parents who are here, you delight to give your children good gifts. It's a delight to do that. And God, the Creator, our Father, He delights to give us nothing short of the kingdom. And in Jesus, God has done all that is necessary for us to be given that kingdom. There's no work that needs to be done. There's no task that needs completing. You see, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you do not need to worry. Your sins are forgiven. The, The kingdom is yours. The Creator is your Father. So do not be anxious. Seek His kingdom and God will provide. And even if death itself comes knocking, even if you you die way too young or a Christian dies way too young, well, the Father still delights to give you the kingdom. You see, the kingdom brings with it great perspective. So to finish up, you've done well to stay with me. I know I'm a bit long tonight. But to finish up, verse 33, look what Jesus says. Verse 33, in light of this, he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is the challenge of our passage. We've, we've heard the comfort, the Creator is our Father. He delights to give us the kingdom. But now the challenge is sell, give, and make money bags that won't grow old. And this is not a blanket statement about selling all your possessions. That's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say, sell all your possessions. And that doesn't fit with the rest of of the New Testament. But the call is to sell your possessions. That is the call. It is to sell those things in which your wealth is stored up in for the sake of this life. You see, don't store up your wealth for this life. For, for, these, for the things that grow old, for the things that thieves might steal, for the decay that will come and the wearing that will come, because all those things, they ultimately end up in the tip. No, sell those things. And Jesus says, give. Give literally charitable gifts. I don't think give to the poor is, is the, the best translation. I think the best translation is give charitable gifts to whoever that might be. For, for whatever kingdom cause that might be for, give charitable gifts. And make for yourselves money bags that will never wear out. That, that kind of inexhaustible treasure that can only be found in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and I was, at, uh, I was at summer school this week, and it was a great week of fellowship and of sitting under God's word. And, and Simon Manchester preached on, on 1 Timothy. 
And as he got to chapter 6, if you know 1 Timothy 6, it says, it says a lot about money. As he got to chapter 6, he said this. He said, no one in eternity, that is no believer, no Christian, no one in eternity will be disappointed with the sacrifices they made in this life for the sake of the gospel. So let me say that again because it's hugely important. No one in eternity will be disappointed with the sacrifices they made in this life for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of God's kingdom, for the sake of God's glory, for the sake of the salvation of others. You see, when we're gathered around the throne of Jesus in the new creation, praising Him forever, none of us will say, actually, I wish I hadn't given that up for the sake of God's glory. None of us will say, I wish I hadn't sold that thing or given that money for the sake of the kingdom of God. No one will say that. See, if you guys want sound financial advice, this is the best financial advice you can get, then invest in the things of the kingdom. Invest in the eternal. Invest in what lasts forever and know that God will provide. Know that the kingdom awaits you. And let me finish with the words of verse 34. Beware of where your treasure is. Because if your treasure is your financial security, and if your treasure uh, is worrying about the things of this life, then your heart will be lost in this world. But if your treasure is in heaven, is in the kingdom to come, the things eternal where rust and decay do not destroy, then your heart will also be on the things of God. And then, if your heart is set on that, you will seek the kingdom. So, brothers and sisters, be comforted that God, the Creator, is your Father, and He delights to give you the kingdom. That is so good. And be challenged to seek His kingdom, and to set your eyes and your treasure on the kingdom, because there your heart also will be. Amen.